All right, everybody, welcome to the next episode of Just About Boxing Jab University. Today is the first in a series we're going to call Prospect Watch. Jab University and Prospect Watch are brought to you by iBuild Texas. Check out our sister podcast, Jimmy's World. Both shows are available on all podcast platforms as well as YouTube. Today's special guest is none other than Daniel Bailey Jr. What's up, D? Hey, how you doing, Coach? Man, I'm doing good. I'm always doing good. Um, you've been a busy, busy man lately. <laughs> Have to. Honestly, um, I think I'm trying to bring back the old school method of boxing. Yeah, Stand at death. Yeah, you know, every time I look up, you know, you've been fighting. You fight first two fights in Mexico, and then where'd you go? Third fight was? My third fight was in Alabama. Alabama, and then you got that thing with Ring City, USA, where you got to West fight at Point. West Point which is cool because you're a veteran. It's Memorial Day. I'm a, I'm a military guy. So that was real cool. How was it up at West Point? Um, it was nothing but love. And it was really an honor to be able to compete in and, you know, do your thing in front of your fellow fellow um, soldiers and things like that. Yeah. And uh, you was in the Army's WCAP program prior to doing, turning pro. Uh, and then uh, I guess uh, – Boyd Melson was up there. He fought for West Point and he was in the same program as you were. So I think right. he had a, a, a bit, he was interviewing people and talking and stuff up there. So that was pretty cool. And then fifth fight, you was in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Right. And then you've already got two fights scheduled. You, you're about a, a week out, maybe two weeks out from your next fight. Um, actually, I will be competing this weekend, June 5th in Atlanta, Georgia. Well, Jan Jonesboro, oh, Georgia. Jonesboro, Georgia. Okay, so June 5th. And then you got June 18th in St. Pete. Right, and then I have July 10th in Miami. And that's cool for you because you're you from Miami. Born and raised. Born and raised in the county of Dade. All right, Yes, man. sir. Uh, where, where are you from in Miami? Let everybody know. Rep your hood, man. <laughs> I feel like um, I grew up in a lot of neighborhoods. You know, we, we moved around a lot, but I definitely spent most of my time in Little Haiti. Okay, that's what's up. Uh, my, my godfather, James Jones, grew up in the pork and beans, so it's kind of cool. We got some Miami ties. Um, uh, uh, your trainer, Maya Flowers, is a great friend of mine. We're from Memphis, right? right. Uh, uh, I worked, uh, managed him for a little bit, and we fought in Miami at the National Guard Armory down there. Him, his little brother, on uh, a Henry Volta promotion. So got some Miami ties. How's that feel being able to go back home and, and get it in where it all started? Um, it's crazy because, you know, I never um, invited any of my family to my fights back when I was fighting amateur and things like that. So now it's six years later after um, leaving off to the Army, coming back as the – it's like new people who – who's on the scene, they don't know that I'm like the old kid. I just went and came back and now I'm like that guy. That's what's up. So it's going to be great to um, showcase my talent in front of all my friends and family and just be in that environment where you know it's nothing but genuine love. All right. So that's cool, man. But from my experience, I want you to stay focused until after the fight. All right. Hometown, <laughs> home, hometown fights get people sometimes, man, especially a lot of pressure. A lot of people ask for tickets, you know, stuff like that. You know, so make sure you stay focused and stuff like that. Um, also, like you've been so busy, man. I'm running out of nine ninety nines to pay to watch you fight online, man. You 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 man. got to send me a check at the end of the year, man. I'm gonna hey, write you I appreciate my taxes. you. Right off, yeah, I was gonna say write it off from your taxes, man. They gonna get you back at the end. 
Yeah, man. Every time I look up, man, I got paid nine 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 again. Damn, slow down. Fight once a month. You know, you fight. <laughs> well, it's gonna be what twice in, in in June already. So that that's that's cool though. That's uh, a lot of people don't get that. You know what I mean? But a lot of people don't have your work ethic. You when you said you was gonna go pro, you came up and you sparred with some of my guys at the academy. I appreciate right. you and Adrian Tillman for doing that, especially because most college boxers are novice, so it was a good chance for them to see. You guys are both nationally ranked, and they got beat up a little bit. My guys beat y'all beat my guys up pretty good, <laughs> but um, man, them guys got some some um conditioning though. Like, oh uh, yeah, I work, I work, I work the dog out of them, man. Um, I I gotta get them to a higher level. The goal is, of course, to beat Army because we're the Air Force Academy, right? But uh, <laughs> but it was it was good. A real, I really appreciated you guys coming out to help us. But you, when you said you was gonna go pro, you was you was filling some some management offers. Uh, you end up signing with uh, Ryan Roach and, and Fighter Locker. Yes. Yeah. So um, he's doing his job because he's keeping you busy. Um, but you work hard. Every time I look up, you at a different gym. I know you trained at Triple Threat, which is owned by Charles Leverett, the the director of the World Class Athlete Boxing Program. But I seen right. you at Old School Gym. I seen you in Denver sparring up at TLC. Right. And then, yeah, as soon as you got out, you, you went to where you at Tampa now. Um, yeah. So, um, basically when COVID hit, that's when I had to explore my other options as far as going to other gyms. Um, I ended up working with a coach named Charlie. Who Charlie Barra. Right. He was a part of the world class athlete program. He had a, a gym inside his, um, garage. Okay. Yeah. I seen that. I seen you working with Charlie. Uh, and then, uh, you, you all over the internet with your, it's your, your, your counter right hand clips is on every <laughs> every boxing your meme page every boxing little uh instagram page and then so now you got out the arm you, you, you did your first two fights you were still on active duty correct right actually um i left uh, with absent without leave to go ahead and get those fights and you know i had to do whatever it took to make my dream happen after i um after I got out of the military, of course, I moved down to Tampa to work with Coach Mayette, who you introduced me to. Yeah, so I appreciate you for dog. that. We yeah. just we just clicked the, like it, it was like premeditated or something. Yeah. Like everything yeah, just yeah. went well together. Real good people, real knowledgeable person too. Real knowledgeable, real studious. Mayette's always studying. So if 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 anybody can gather anything from Mayette, is he's always studying. The guy studies crazy he should have a phd in boxing sooner or later man definitely i know for a fact that you got this saying that i always um revert back to whenever i'm having like a, a slow day if we got a game plan we need to get him out of there and i swear that's all it's been for me as far as turning professional you know a lot of these other prospects i don't like to talk down on anyone but i'm pretty sure they go in there with the idea they can, they just need to come ready and shape and they could destroy everybody but for me i come in shape and i'll say also have a plan for these guys. I don't care how they record look. I want to have a plan for these guys. So when I go in there, it's a flawless victory. Yeah. And you would have trained it. It trains hard. He trains a few other prospects. I seen him in the corner of Mike Cook. Mike Cook's what 17 and 0 or something like that now. 18 and 0 now. Eight, 18 and 0 now. And I seen him with the dog, Donald Ward out of West Memphis, Arkansas. Yes, sir. Yeah. We be work. We me and, me and Donald be working, man. That, that dude do not stop. That man is um a buzzsaw. Yeah, man. I, I do remember Donald Ward. He was an amateur last time I actually seen him. But 
yeah, man, uh, works hard. He's got that, that he's from West Memphis, Arkansas, but he might as well be from Memphis. That just grit, man. He's a gritty fighter. You know what I mean? So he, yeah, he gonna, he gonna, you come, he come to spar, he gonna put in that work, man. I, uh, right. It's I not like no easy day. Not no easy day. He trying to beat you every time he get in the ring. Right. Um, so how'd you hook up with Ryan Roach and fighter locker? Um, actually social media is, it's like, it's crazy that social media is how we met. He was following me on um, Instagram for a while, but he never reached out to me. And you remember I was um, looking at my options as far as manager, um, well, my manager who could play that role and really take me to where I needed to be. So I reached out to him and I asked him, did he know any managers? And he said, actually, I manage fighters and I would like to take you on. So before I signed with him, I went to um, Coach Al. You know Coach Al. Mitchell. The old guru. Oh, oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, hey, man, I talked to Coach Al on an airplane one day. Just asking him questions of you know trying to pick his brain. Picking his brain. Sure, yeah, I'm pretty sure he wanted to tell me, man, shut up. I'm gonna try to sleep. You know, but <laughs> yeah, but Coach Al, what Coach Al tell you? So Coach Al said, if you want to turn professional, you know what you you need one thing. He he put his finger to me and a everything. A lawyer. <laughs> yeah. A yeah, lawyer. He told me the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's so the so first thing I did was I went to my my brother who was already um Robert Daniels Jr. He's about four and as a professional right now. And I went to him and I asked him about this lawyer that he had who worked the case for him and everything. And he was he, he was good with boxing as well. So I signed with a lawyer actually to represent me. And then we worked out a great contract with Ryan and we got the, the ball rolling. I My plan was to um, get fight started. No, yeah, I see you know, your, your video dropped. I'm down. good. Right. Yeah. All right, so my plan was to get my fight started before I um before I left out the military. I wanted everything to be um the foundation to be laid out for me, and that's exactly what Ryan did. He um he didn't miss like every shot he made, and we just been rocking and rolling. We treat everything like a family, everything put together, and it. My main thing was having a manager who um who understood my goals, you know, and where their goals aligned with mine. So it was just perfect. Um, Everyone else who um, wanted to sign me, none of those guys were bad guys. I just went for the choice that was best for my situation. Yeah, and uh, he got you your first two fights with Promotionis Pekime, which is a uh, Franco Gabaldon, who I know pretty well. And then once you got out, you you go ahead, you moved to Tampa. What prompted the move to Tampa instead of going back home to Miami? Um, I don't believe in going back to someplace that you already um I lived in Miami my whole life so I didn't I already had it in my mind not to go back there because I didn't want to fall back into the same routine of being there before and coach Mayette was out here in Tampa so I felt like it was the best move for me because I don't need a remote trainer I need my trainer there with me every day yeah real hands-on training yeah uh, right and that's how he is it's like we don't have a fight coming up we still in there drilling and things like that like yeah drillers make killers man yeah he he, like I say, he's a good trainer. I think in the next few years, people are going to realize how good of a trainer he really, really is. And uh, he's going to be big time one day. And so will you. And so you, you were in the army's world-class athlete program. What, what is, so would you just box in the army? I did something similar in the Marines, but how, like, how'd you get into that program? So I, um, I knew about the world class athlete program back when I was in the ninth grade, and I, it was always in my plan when I was in JRTC to complete my four years in high school and go off to the military and compete and fight for the army. Um, I went to all army, you know, 
won that about three, four times. And then finally I went to Nationals, placed top three. And then I was able to go um, PCS over to Fort Carson. And then I started um, training over there with the World Class Athlete Program. A normal day is strength and conditioning in the morning. You have a boxing workout in the evening. And then for me, I would go to um, Coach Leverett's personal gym, which is triple threat boxing gym, and do a second workout with um, a, a fighter turn trainer named Nehemiah New. And then I would go to 24-hour fitness and do a run. Like I was just, um, I had it in my head that if I work harder than these guys, that I was going to get the job done. But then it's more to amateur boxing than just working hard and things like that. It's having the right style for the amateurs. I had a, a style that could bring me success, but I don't think I had the style to get me over that hump to make the Olympic team. And it's okay because I know I'm going to be a real champion one day with my boxing style. And I know I had to work ethic and I, I live like a fighter. So I know that's going to be the, um, put me in the, the 2% percentile at the, at the top because a lot of guys have a natural talent and have all the um, resources at hand, but they don't live fi like fighters. They, um, when they got to fight, that's when they want to live like a fighter. For me, it's year round. It's a lifestyle for me. Yeah, man. And I always see you posting at every other gym you, you're there. And then I interviewed a 13 year old kid yesterday and he told me crazy thing, hard work and dedication over talent. I was like, yeah, you're right. Right. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wise beyond his years. His name is Cavante James K dot. Shout out to K dot, man. That, that was some a real gym. He, he dropped on me. And then, so you, at the world-class athlete program, uh, army pays for y'all to go to just about every tournament out there. Right. Uh, you fought the who's who in amateur boxing, Shakur Stevenson, uh, uh, Bruce Carrington, Sean Mondragon, Dominique Crowder, uh, Jap the Lee Lamido. You fought Keisha. You fought everybody. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you, you really did. Um, how, how is that? amateur experience translating to the pros and do you see a a correlation between amateur and pros or is it two different sports i i was telling um somebody else i was interviewing or, or was following this discussion on the internet where a trainer was saying amateur boxing pro boxing are so different now you know being a great amateur doesn't translate into being a great pro anymore there because they're so different the way they're scored the way they're viewed the way they're marketed do you see any correlation between the two or do you kind of agree with that assessment i agree with that assessment because it's definitely a difference of course the smaller gloves and the way they score everything and then it's just things leading up into like when i feel like amateur boxing is more like when you're in school as a kid you know it's like yeah, it's not, it's not your main job, you know? It's not like the main thing you're doing. So of course you got other things, but you kind of like protect it because you're still a kid. When a pro world, it's like real life comes. Then it's like, oh, how you got guys where opponents, like they, they could be good at, um, you could be a good amateur and then you sign a wrong contract and then you're in a bad situation. When the amateurs is like, you could lose today and then tomorrow you could be the, the number one in the national nationals and things like that, like your life, it could, it could flip like that. When yeah, yeah. in the pros, you've seen um top prospects and world champions, they take that one or two L's and it's like they back all the way to the bottom, working their way back up. It's not impossible to get back up, but it's a longer road. It's definitely different sports. It's a lot more aspects into it as far as marketing, um, having the right people around you and things like that. Amateur boxing is like 
as long as you got one good coach, you all right. You ain't got to worry about all the other dynamics of it as far as, man, is this manager going to try to take everything from me? Is this manager getting offered more money than what he's telling me and things like that? It's a lot more into it. But I like it more because you got so much more control. Like, yeah, you could possibly get in, in the hands of the wrong people, but you got to keep your mind on right. You stay focused. It's all easy. Yeah, uh, having a good team is, I think people don't talk about it enough. Having a good team, right. whether it's management, uh, promotion, uh, trainer, strength and conditioning, dietitian, what what have you. Some teams have all that. Some teams where I grew up, you know, the trainer is all of that. Um, so now that you become a pro, you're living this pro lifestyle you at one point in time you you were modeling are you still doing that i am i'm doing freelance modeling right but i haven't been doing as many shoots because i've been so active with boxing that's the yeah. the downside to it. it's like every day i'm i gotta i gotta training i got training i got training so it's hard to squeeze um shoots into it but i plan on by the end of this year doing a lot more shoots so whoever got me on instagram gonna be like man i'm tired of seeing this dude and yeah, man, look, man, uh, I hope they get tired of seeing you because that means you're busy and 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 you you're being posted more, right. uh, more often than not. Um, so how did you get into the modeling? Um, I was <laughs> I was dealing with a female who was into modeling, told me that she think it'll be a good fit for me. Yeah, I was, after that, I was, I, I was rocking with your modeling. Then you took this butt naked picture. I was like, man, if you don't hey. stop him and get mad, and beat him up. <laughs> hey, that was so. The story on that, the photographer posted that and tagged me in it on Facebook. Because, you know, me and you, we, we people. Yeah. Yeah, so I was like, all I know, I just seen my phone. I woke up to my phone. And I'm like, yo, I'm getting all these, these comments. And I saw, I was like, oh, my yeah, mom, man. my grandma, my aunts, everybody man. was clowning me. Man, I was upset. I was like, hey, man, if this don't get off my, my timeline, I'm going to be <laughs> mad. I ain't going to like it. <laughs> and when I see him, we go talk about it. Like, what you doing, man? Man, they was clowning. I was like, you know what? I was like, I'm gonna just eat this one. You know, sometimes you just gotta take yeah, roll you with the got, punches. You gotta roll with it. Yeah. But hey, look, maybe me, people saw it, man. A whole lot of people saw it. Um, have you uh have you noticed either boxing has brought you more modeling gigs and shoots, or modeling has brought you, you know, some more attention to, to boxing? Have you noticed? they go hand in hand and in hand definitely um for a lot of the like for example all of the flyers that's been coming out those are actually shoots that i've done and yeah. they use those photos yeah those like actual shoots it's like i'm not gonna have my hand down here those actual shoots i was doing it and they yeah, um used yeah, it seen the, yeah. the one with the gold trunks is is what they was using to for the ring city joint is they using that one for the i think the miami one too right right like i have like that's just one shoot they got like all of the pictures from that. So the photographer who worked with me on that, he's def he's actually ex-military too. My guy, um, we've been doing more shoots. We got more ideas to come. I got a new the, uniform, huh? The the military is definitely a brotherhood. Have you found it uh as a networking tool? Like, hey yo, I'm I'm a soldier, I'm a Marine, I'm Air Force, Air, what are Air Force guys, airmen, uh sailor. Like you find like a brotherhood there, and you ever notice it helps you network a little bit? Definitely. It's like um, we in our own little role, you know, because we all went through the same things. So we understand each other most like, you know how it is. You could 
know a guy for 10 minutes, but y'all going through the same shit. It's like, that's your best friend now. Yeah, man. You, you, uh, you build bonds that, that last a lifetime. Like I met Lev back in like Oh four or Oh five where he was fighting or then coaching for all, all army, uh, W cap. And then out of nowhere, I get this job up here in Colorado, 2019. First person welcomed me up, up here. Lev, I was like, hey, what's up, man? Like, it was a cool to see a familiar face, and these are lifelong bonds. Um, so let's talk about your, your amateur career a little bit, uh, because you, you don't have a long pro career, um, and it seems like you're going to fight the pro career the same way you fight the amateur career every weekend. Uh, so <laughs> how, <laughs> how old were you when you started this journey of boxing? And, and with that question, the second part is how long – well, at what age did you decide boxing is what I plan to do for, for the long haul? Um, I was about 11 years old when I was introduced to the sport. Basically, I had a neighbor who was holding mitts for his nephew. And then I went over across the street, my little project kid. and was like, I could do that. So we started working and everything. Once I got about 13, 14 years old, got into a, r- a real boxing gym where I met Robert Daniels Sr. He was on WBA Cruiserweight World Champion for David Tua. Yeah. So um, once I got there, it just the ball kept rolling, and I knew, man. My first week um at a real boxing gym, I got back to the car when my grandma was picking me up, and I was like, "Grandma, I'm ready to fight." Oh, no, that's <laughs> what's up. She was like, "You ready to fight? You been there for a week." I'm like, "When you know, you know." And the ball just kept rolling. Honestly, I feel like this. I feel like God um just told me it was for me because. It was so many situations where that boxing gym got closed down, but it was like God made a way for me to get to another boxing gym. Like he kept it in my life the whole time when I didn't um, know what I was going to do at the high school. Boom, the um, army program presented itself and it's just been rolling. Every time this girl who I know, she told me when God just keep making a way for you to do something, I mean, it's really meant for you. So I definitely believe that. Yeah, me too. I, and I'm a strong believer in boxing saves lives. It saved mine, uh, and and it's done that for a lot of people. And like 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 she said, hey man, if if it just keeps showing up, man, maybe it's meant for you to do. Right. Yeah. So, in uh, how many fights did you have in amateurs? I had about a hundred bouts, but on box rig, it's not even um displaying my 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 wins. I'm like, what's going oh, yeah. on here? And that's a lot of just national tournaments, and then it only goes back so far, uh, and then. I think USA Boxing just started the last few years this match tracker thing. So, you know, if it was in your book before before match tracker showed up, you know, it just it ain't gonna be there. <laughs> so right. So I got like a old my book is as old as older than me. It look yeah. It looked like it's older than me, but um, it has all my fights in it. I got about a hundred bouts, and I fought everyone. Um, I got on a national scene, and it just started rolling for me. It's crazy because. My first national tournament, I end up getting featured in um, what's that? Ringside magazine. I have um, yeah. Mexican trunks and everything. So I just always been blessed to get in that spotlight. Yeah, man. Uh, highly favored, it seems, man. So, but thinking back to the amateurs, because I know you ain't had no hard fights as a pro. Like twenty-seven seconds, forty-some odd seconds. You you getting them out of there. But you thinking back to the amateurs, like what was the hardest bout you ever had? The hardest bout I ever had. Honestly, when I when I think of hard, because I have fights where I'm like, damn, I can't get to this dude like I want to. 
like it, it's all like when I when I boxed him against Keyshawn at 132, I was just coming out of the field, and then it was like, hey, you want to go to this national tournament? It was willing to pay for. It. I was like, bum, I'm there. Even though I was a 123 pounder, I boxed him. That was a tough fight, but it wasn't like something. I was like, damn, it's the hardest fight I ever had. I I remember back in California, I fought this kid. He's still on the, the boxing scene, actually, Kevin Montana. Okay, yeah. Um, I don't know what. I was thinking, I went in that fight, like, I had, like, a smoothie and stuff. Like, I was taking it easy. Like, I had a smoothie. I didn't even fill up, like, refill like I was supposed to. And I went in that fight, and I was drained. And that was, like, the longest three minutes, like, three three-minute rounds I ever had. I'm like, yo, this dude fucking mauling the shit out of me. <laughs> like, he's he's somebody who's, like, he's working in the park. He's mushing your head, and it's so dirty. That was, like, one of my toughest bouts. But, you know, in the amateurs, it's like, you fight so often, it's like, man, one day you having your toughest bout with one style, and the next day you having your best day with the same style. So it's like, I just I had a lot of hard fights, but I also had a lot of fights that were like, oh, I could adapt to that. And I know for a fact, those same styles that I had a hard time with in the amateurs, I wouldn't have that same hard time in a pro because in a pro, it's not you looking at um, you looking at a bout sheet, you figuring out who you fighting that same day after you weigh in. It's like you get time to prepare and game plan for these guys. It's um more rounds and things like that. And uh, what is your favorite moment in amateur boxing, whether it's a fight, a tournament, making a certain team or hitting a certain level? What is your favorite moment in amateur boxing? My first um, national tournament, first national um, title win. I was at the ringside reels. And I won it at 100 pounds. But it was just like 100 pounds. It was my first, like, it was like, guys, they go to Nationals. They got to get seasoned to win these tournaments. And I went there and won it my first time. And I was just like, because it was my first time on a plane and everything. Like, first time on the projects. Like, it was just first everything. And God made a way for me. But it was definitely um, a real good moment going to Silver Gloves. And then people seeing me on the Ringside Magazine. And like, oh, that's the key from the magazine. You hear the whispers. It's a great feeling. You still got a copy of the magazine? I got a picture of it. I don't have the, the um, original. Oh, we got to have to give a uh, ringside to see if they can find that magazine. I know you can get the the back, you know, the older magazines. Get them sent it to Cam, you. Cam, Cam Austin was on the front of it. And I was on the second sheet, second page. So I remember that. Um, you know, after I get my royal title, next thing you know, ringside gonna be posting it on everywhere. A, um, yeah, everywhere. Right. Yeah. <laughs> posting it everywhere. And um. Did you grow up in one of them households? I know y'all from Florida. Y'all got football players and track athletes. You know, the fastest people from, they call it the muck somewhere out there. And, uh, but, um, I forgot the name of the, um, that's city. By Lake, yeah. was it by Lake Okeechobee or something like that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, uh, but Hokie, the Hokie. Yeah. But, um, like, is there a lot of boxers that came out of Miami? Um, boxer. It's crazy because a lot of guys um, in the Miami circuit, they kind of like short amateur careers, then turn professional. So, you know, that most of the time, unless you're really special, that turns out them guys turn into opponents. But now this new generation where we got the amateur experience and we got the charis- we got the charismatic fighters and things like that. So we starting to be on a up and up as far as um, South Florida. You know, we got um, Tefimo Lopez was actually in the Florida boxing circuit. Yeah, and, he um, is. yeah, and then uh, I think my my boy Lee Gladden out of out of Gainesville uh, is working with Tia Fimo and their team. 
uh, he was in the Marines back in the gap. So, yeah, he did come out of Florida, even though he's, what, right. he's from New York or something like that. Yeah, they claim New York. Um, Erickson Lubin. Um, yeah, Erickson Lubin out of Florida too, man. We got uh, all of the um, Cuban, everybody who's Cuban out there in Miami. Yeah, Cubans, Dominicans, Puerto Ricans, all Latinos out there. Yeah, we've <laughs> I've seen quite a few of them. Uh, then you guys had back in the day, well, Winter Haven, Florida. You had uh, Andre Berto, Berto, Keith Thurman, Talbert, Roy. Uh, Roy, of course, Roy out of uh, Picola. <laughs> Picola in the house. Yes, sir. Uh, uh, then you had uh, Winky Wright. It was training out was with Dan Birmingham and those guys out there. Uh, Jeff Lefthook, Lacey. So Florida. Uh, who Bernal did you Whitaker grow up? trained out there. Yeah. And even Muhammad Ali was in. Uh, Angelo Dundee had a gym oh, out there. Oh, yeah. Miami. And so um, Sir Ray Leonard. Yeah, a lot of people. So F Florida, what's up, man? Um, is there somebody you watched all the time? coming up like who was your your go-to i'm gonna watch this fight this Man, fighter I, so you guys can look this up um this this fighter old school fighter named sandy sadler and yeah, people used to always say i look like him 126 pounder uh fought with uh willow the wisp willie pep. pep yeah yeah man yeah so i yeah I'm, my dad really <laughs> had me watch sandy sadler a lot man uh so you watch a lot of Sandy Sadler coming up. That's cool. Black and white film. A lot of people ain't into that. No man, more. I used to watch. So I went to go look at Sandy because they said we look so much alike. And that's actually one of my nicknames down in Miami. But when I looked, I watched him fight Willie Pelp. And I was watching Willie more than I was watching Sandy. And then people were, it's funny because the same guy who told me I look like um, Sandy Sadler said I fight like Willie Pelp. Yeah. I watched their <laughs> fight. Yeah. Like, cause, you know, I use my legs a lot and things like that. Yeah, this even though Sandy Sadler won the majority of those fights, I just want to make it clear. Willie Pep was the flash, great defensive fighter. Willow the Wisp, man. Um, anybody you watch now, now that you're in the pro scene, they kind of your peers. But who do you watch now? Um, I love watching um all defensive fighters. Anybody who got so who has a good defense, I like watching those guys. Those guys who got automatic defense when it's built in, like they they roll in after they throw shots and things like that. So I, I get little pieces from everyone. I like watching Canelo with the upper body movement. He kind of have a different defense from um. He's he sees him a little bit more upright than how Pernell Whitaker was. Pernell was changing levels a lot more. You got Floyd who was a little upright but behind the shoulder. Then you got Nicoliono. He's an old school fighter. Uh, uh, uh Nicoliono Loche. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Argentinian dude. Yeah, dude just rolled his head all over the place and. Right, he had a yeah. crazy head movement. And yeah, he made fighters all, quit with his defense. <laughs> Right. And like them dudes threw a thousand punches and kept missing. Then you got Wilfredo Benitez, where he was part of that fabulous four, really. Yeah. Yeah. He should he should have been the fifth king out there out right. from Puerto Rico. One of their youngest champs. Uh, yeah. You watch that Wilfredo Benitez versus Roberto Duran. That was some of the most beautiful boxing I ever seen in a fight, man. That's just and that's, that's one of them guys who got that rhythm and able to just like flow with it. Yeah, man. Um, Shout out to him. Shout out to John Scully because uh, Wilfredo Benitez isn't doing good. And uh, John Scully gets a lot of money sent to him and Gerald McClellan and other fighters that are kind of down and out at the moment or need uh, assistance. Um, is there some amateur fighters you watch or you like, I'm beyond that, you know, or is it like, man, I got to watch out for this guy. You know, is anything like that going on? Um. Honestly, I haven't been watching amateur boxing lately, but I like watching the females a little bit more than I like watching the males because they 
way more technically sound than um, males, man. Like, you tell a female to throw the right hand a certain way, she's throwing it exactly how you tell her to throw it, where the dudes, they questioning what... They're like, man, but I but it feel better this way and things like that. But the women, they so crafty these days. And I'm excited actually to see a lot of these um, female amateur boxers transition into the pros so that that sport could grow. Yeah, there's one I trained that I, I tell everybody she's a coach's dream. Her name is Ariana Carrasco. She uh the national champion at 141 in the youth division. She'll make the jump to the elites in December. But yeah, you're right. You know, hey, throw it like this. Okay. You did it like this, you know, she, she, she does right. it exactly how you want it to, to, to be done. Um, so now you're in the pros, has anybody like the promoter shown any interest or you don't know yet, or. Um, I've been seeing, um, I'm not gonna lie. I've been getting a little bit of hot feet when it's, when I, when it comes to seeing other fighters getting signed by promoters now that the COVID thing is ending. And I've been told to just stay patient and things like that. Cause I'm like, I'm like, I see somebody get signed and I'm like, yo, hey, Ryan, um, can you can you go reach out to them? Cause they signing people and things like that. He's like, no, just be patient because you feel like I should. He don't want me signing with um, lower. Yeah. He want me to be uh, on the biggest platform. He don't want me signing with lower promoters and things like that. He want me to get that maximum exposure. Yeah. And then patience is a virtue. And uh, as I got older, and I learned uh, not every time is the right time. You know what I mean? So, right. yeah, just uh, wait your time. I'm pretty sure they're going to be checking for you, um, especially as as good as you are and as popular you are on social media. Um, I Even though I don't want to talk about it, I got asked what you think about these YouTubers uh, out here getting money in a sport you've dedicated your life to. Um. You can't knock anyone from um, making money. They're not cheating the game or anything like that. Basically, prospects, when they're coming up in the boxing world, we, we get lesser opponents to build up and, you know, get more comfortable in the ring. Um, basically, the reason why they're making so much money is because how marketable they are and they're following. And for me, when if you if you're able to make my fight in Miami, you will see that I have, I'm taking things from them. Like, I'm coming out with the um, Sebastian UM mascot with me. Like, so we... Okay. We need to take some take notes, you know, take things from them because if they're doing that and they can't fight, if we do what they're doing as far as the marketing part and we can fight, imagine how big we can be. So I just like to look at everything through a positive light. Yeah, and, and yeah, you got better better record than both of them, so you know. <laughs> so uh, hopefully, it works out in that favor. And I noticed you've been doing some podcasts, like one of my Marine homies, uh, Paul Politic, and he likes to interview you. Uh, How's is that a new, I guess, avenue to to get your voice out or, or get your your picture out or your just your image out there? Um, not really because I came so coming from the world class athlete program, we had media training, and I, I I'm pretty sure people think that I'm a well spoken dude and everything like that. And I pride myself on being well spoken, so I'm not I'm uncomfortable with being in front of a camera, and. The media training helps me. Like, if it's a question I'm getting asked and I'm like, I don't really have an answer for it, I can sway away from it, you know, finesse my way out of it. That's okay, the Miami yeah. in me. Oh, uh, yeah. And then, and that, that media training is a benefit because I guess the World Class Athlete Program kind of belongs to Army Recruiting Command. So it's necessary for you guys, you know, don't say nothing stupid to embarrass Uncle Sam. Right. You got to carry yourself a certain way. Yeah. So, so that's cool. And um, so I started this podcast because. 
I'm a boxing guy and most of the general public uh, are not boxing people. And it's hard to, for me to relate because all I want to talk about is boxing and right. even, you know, it's other sports and stuff like that. So I want to talk to the boxers. Do you, do you find it just being so dedicated to boxing and so involved in boxing that it's hard for you to like, just relate to the everyday person? Um, in a way it is in a way it isn't because I, I think I'm a people person, so I could relate to people easily. Um, as far as when people talk about certain championships out of out of boxing, I'm lost, completely lost. I'm like, they in the finals? Oh yeah. And it's like, right? I'm like lost. I'm like, yo, the playoffs already started. I'm like, it don't even seem like it's not hyped up enough for me. Um, with me being a boxer, and you know, it's an individual sport. I pay attention to these. When I pay attention to the other sports, I pay attention to how they train. Not really yeah. how they playing. Like if I'm, I'll go um look at Cam Newton. I'm watching how he working out and stuff like that. I'm not really watching his games. So that's the difference. And uh, and another big part of a boxing that I like to focus on a lot is the mental preparation for a fight. You're you're going out to to do, uh, dominate another human to engage in hand to hand combat with a another man. How? do you prepare for that mentally? I find fighting to be a very unnatural thing to do for a lot of people, but if you're good at it, you're good at it. How do you get ready here for a fight? Uh, for me, I'm a th- I feel like I'm a thinking spider. So I'm a, I'm a thinker definitely inside the ring. So when the, when a fight get on, uh, when a fight gets close, I'm always studying my opponents, of course, and everything is well planned out as far as training recovery recovery being really big because a lot of people don't do recovery and my coach always tell me the difference between a champion and an opponent is their recovery because they don't have those resources available to them so I'm always in there thinking as far as game plan once you're in shape you go you go to camp you the first thing you should do is get in shape then next thing is working on your game plan and then the third thing is cutting the weight off which is the easiest part when you're eating right and you're living right and basically that last week, you, you just mentally get yourself prepared to what you want to do. When you go into the ring, you just work your plan. And then if you if it's something you have to adapt to, you just adapt to it in the ring uh, with your coach. You guys speak and have a conversation in the corner. Um, mentally preparing myself. It's all about, for me, it's all about preparation. It's like my, mo- my confidence comes from how I prepare flat out. That's why I put the, my most time in preparing, like, I'm, I'm, I'm out here working three, four times a day. I don't care. Like I need to be prepared. I know if I'm in shape, being my best self, no one can beat me. Yeah, that's definitely true. You know what I mean? Getting prepared here. A confident fighter is a very hard fighter to beat too. So if you're a happy fighter also, yeah. a very happy fighter. Yeah. Um, I noticed like, because you're fighting so often now, like, do you take time out of the gym or is it like I, I fought Saturday, I got to be back to work on Monday? What, what's that like for you? Kind of have a ritual. So after um, I fight Saturday, I always go for a run Sunday, get my weight right back down so I can walk around 34 when I'm fighting at 26, I'm walking around light. Um, I get right so that, that week following uh, my fight. It's a recovery week or active recovery. So the first three days, I'm just doing cardio. And then, uh, then I start back boxing and punching things. And then I just keep flowing. It's like we had to adjust, make adjustments because I was fighting so often because I'm already in shape. So now it's just maintaining. It's not really getting back in shape because, you know, a training camp is built to get a fighter in shape. Then 
get the weight off. But when you're fighting as often as I am and the weight is already basically off and you're already in shape, it's game planning, working on new things. So it's, it make it easier. People will think, oh, man, I don't, honestly, I don't understand how fighters not living like this already. Yeah, uh, like Canelo, he said, man, look, yeah, I don't care how when I fight, I'm back in the gym one week later. And he's fighting 12 right. fights. He's worth millions and millions of dollars. But I think that comes with being a professional. It's the professional thing to do is, uh, is to, to get right back to work. I, I think that's, you know, just a professional thing to do. Uh, before I let you go, the, um, how do people get a hold of you on social media? I know you active on there, the gram, Facebook. Uh, I don't know the other social media. I'm old, man. So let me know. Um, you could, um, anybody could fo follow me on Facebook at Daniel Bailey. Anyone could follow me on Instagram at Daniel Bailey Jr. Underscore. My profile is private. I'm boxer, model, U.S. Army veteran. All right. And um, anything you want to say to the, the fans out there, people just getting to know you, uh, people that, are, that will see this interview here, anything you want to say to them? Keep an eye out for me. Um, my cheat code for success is hard work, dedication, and resiliency. When you go through hard things, you continue to move forward, and eventually those hard things won't get easier, but you'll get stronger. All right. That's good to hear from you, man. Everybody check out Daniel Bailey Jr. Like and subscribe to our page. Follow him on social media. With that said, I'll let you go. Enjoy your Memorial Day. Man, have a blessed one. All right. Thanks, man.